Welcome to episode 45 of the Fight for Together podcast. Yes, welcome. Today's topic is the thing that makes me really, it's the type of topic that makes me really excited that we actually have a podcast. Because I think people are going to hear something today about parenting that they really will not hear anywhere else. Yeah, let's do it. And you have no idea what it is, do you? No, let's do it. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. That blank stare when you look at me lovingly. (sighs) The trust in your eyes. I like it. (laughs) Okay, um, episode 45. Wow. We're here. Um, we have a little bit of just a comment to read from the previous episodes. You want to go for it? This is from Levi. It was probably my comment about the Bible study you were referring to, which I left on a previous blog. To clarify on my end, I am definitely not trying to be that, quote, you must have been hurt by the church guy. I was and am genuinely curious about your faith story as it seems to have had a big impact one way or the other on your current value system, yet it remains the story you haven't yet delved into. Obviously, you don't owe us, but I am sure I am not the only one interested. Stay tuned. (laughs) Uh, Yes. For another day. Yes, yes. Okay. I am working on this, and this has been such a frustrating thing because, in a way, there's nothing I am more excited to talk about than our faith story, and in another way, there's nothing I'm more scared to talk about than our faith story. (laughs) I think I feel the same. But you know what I have appreciated? Because it's not, I don't know, maybe like once a week I get a comment from someone that finds our vlog and their first question is, what do you believe? And I, I can identify with that question because I think, especially with certain religious tribes, but maybe it's really all sorts of folks, belief is the primary way that you identify other people it's kind of a way to to decide how seriously should i take these people what's their angle how much do we have in common even yeah yeah what's their agenda and part of our faith story is that we are now very distrusting about what people say they believe right which that's one way to put it you know, there's a negative side to that, which is like, I actually don't care what you say you believe. It it doesn't matter to me at all, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So that's the negative side. <laughs> and that's a true statement. It's not all negative, I think, but yeah. The positive side is that what really, really, really matters to me is what you do. Right. And I hope people are applying that same litmus test to us. You know, that's the reason why we put these vlogs out. You can't fake this stuff. 
like parenting and kids. Probably not four years worth of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can obviously fake some of it. Yeah, you definitely can. Are you faking the smile right now? Or are you really happy to be here? I'm mostly happy to be here. It's 1110 at night and my three-year-old might come down at any moment, but I'm glad to be here still. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I would ask for those of you that really want to know what we believe in the meantime and why is without that information, because we're not going to give it to you right now, and we might never give it to you because I don't even know what I believe anymore. Um, and I'm even looking back at people, they say they know what they believe. I'm not really convinced they know what they believe either. I know one thing I believe is... I'm uncertain about a lot more than I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> so my hope is that people of all um, different faiths and backgrounds and goals even, actually maybe not goals, can, can find value in this conversation. Because where we're heading, or at least what we think we're doing, is hard things that are outside of the norm, talking about it, and sharing with you what we're learning, both the pros and the cons about it. So regardless of what you claim to say you believe, if you can somehow incorporate our experience and our story into your own, fuck, more power to you. Yeah, I think that's a cool thing. Okay, today what we have for you is a story. And of course, there's going to be a moral to the story. We're not letting you guys out of here with we, we still believe in morals <laughs> maybe <laughs> um there's gonna be a little lesson here that i think might be unique and hopefully it will blow some of you away because i'll tell you what it blew me away i'm not afraid to say it okay do you, you don't have any idea what we're talking about today no okay so you'll you'll catch on here pretty quick okay um, the other day was the 4th of July, and we went to a parade. And our three-year-old Rainier, this is like his second parade this year, and the first one he was in awe of the candy. Every time someone threw candy at him, he was like, this is amazing. Like, it was mm. coming from the sky. It was random. It was a gift from God. It was the best moment of his life. This parade, like about a month later, the 4th of July parade, mm -hmm. he knew what was up <laughs> and he knew he had practice. He had practice and he had expectations. Right. And he knew what was going to be going down at this parade and he was going to be getting a lot. Really, every piece of candy that he saw was, I think, what is that he could run was. fast enough, whether or not there was a semi coming his way or another <laughs> child. Right. Um, so he had a very different experience with this parade wanting to get all of this candy. And it was like his little mission. It was like 10% joy, elation, and 90% getting pissed off at everyone who <laughs> got the candy before him. <laughs> and another 25% drive. Oh, man. Yeah. So... We had this experience at the parade, and we'll share some little tidbits, but what I want to get to is the next day, our conversation with our teenagers, who kind of came down 
and they were just like, so we have our 18 year old and our 16 year old and they're just like kind of laying into us. Of course, they're more laying into Cammy because Cammy's the, the, the lame animal that they prey upon. Well, I'm the reason why he is the way he is. Apparently when I try to explain to him that no, actually you were this way too, or this, a lot of this is just how three year olds are. No mom, it's you. So the kids were just going for it. Just venting. Saying how spoiled (laughs) Rainier is. How they were never like that. (laughs) And how much he's a really a pain in the ass. They're calling him, what were they calling him? Joffrey from Game of Thrones and Yeah. What were they calling? Him? Were they calling him a pain in the ass? Is that what it was? Um, I think I heard the words. He's behaving like an asshole. Oh, and then they were calling him like <laughs> Augustus Glute. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> Mike TV. Uh, yeah, which actually there are some similarities there. I had to get yeah. it to him. Yeah. My retort was, well, we didn't see how they turned out. Maybe they turned out okay. Not to mention those kids were older than three. Just want to put that out there. That's true. But they used one specific word that led to a lot of conversation. And that was, they said that he was, watching him was embarrassing. Oh, right, right. And. (laughs) Yeah. And this is what we're going to spend the day talking about on this podcast is why did our teenagers think this was embarrassing? And more importantly, why cammy were you and i not embarrassed because i think at one point we really would have been mm-hmm. now if you have a large family or like a lot of kids or a big span of kids you could probably relate to this sentiment i've seen it a lot mm-hmm. and that is that people have kids when they're young or their their first kids and they parent them a certain way and generally it's a certain degree of strictness and then a decade passes and they'll have another kid or two or three or four whatever it mm-hmm. ends up being but the bottom line is whatever the last kid is mm-hmm. the parents are like eh, they'll turn out and then the older kids are like they're getting away with murder yeah mm-hmm. but the younger kids whatever has happened to the parents they're so less strict and concerned about less concerned about certain things less stressed out less a lot of things right and i would say less embarrassed right because embarrassment implies that there's a social thing going on that is being not met or something and i think for me that's that's a huge a huge shift so I want to talk about the specifics about the parade to talk about what exactly our kids were embarrassed about that you and I were not embarrassed about mm-hmm. because I think this will shed light on how much we've actually gone through. Yeah. Because I think our kids, which are 18, our oldest was 18, which is two years younger than we were when we had our first kid, <laughs> right. is actually a pretty accurate representation of the way that we saw children at that age. Right, right, Yeah. So basically, Rainier, he had these funny moments where, I mean, first of all, he would like see this candy and it was just like, I mean, it was like that candy needs to be in my bag now. And then if it didn't, he did this thing where I thought I was cute, but (laughs) I know only a mother, right? But he did this thing where he put his 
bottom lip down and then he like crossed his arms and just went <laughs> and just kind of stormed off a little bit well that was in his more milder episodes right because in then... his more intense episodes he would clench his little hands yeah. and he'd be like Arr! and he'd like yeah like clench all of his little muscles and he'd be like i'm frustrated yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Oh, I'm angry. Yeah. Or he'd say something like or that. Like, I wanted that or yeah, something. So what our kids saw is you have a full bag of candy. You want more candy. You're a spoiled brat. Yeah, you shouldn't have be having these feelings or if you do have these feelings, don't show them. Like don't don't let everyone know that you have these feelings because you're you're acting like you're ungrateful. Which I think is a very, well, I don't know about that part. You, you phrased it in a bit of a negative way, in my opinion, which I think is also true. But there's a, as you get older, you realize candy doesn't really matter. You can go to the store and buy as much of it as you want. Right. And but like, to th- l- losing out a piece of candy is like no big. Right. And that's a very mature perspective to have on candy mature is in like you understand certain things and you've seen the world enough to yeah. know that candy is a dime a dozen that's shitty candy anyways that they're giving out at the parade right especially the tootsie rolls oh so many of those i, I want to throw those back yeah and then that gum the that, gum um, that lasts for 10 seconds and then you're like whoa get this out of my mouth waxy blue and yeah it's red. pink yeah it's pink what is yeah. it called I don't know. Comment below what that oh. gum is called. <laughs> okay. Um, trying to whore ourselves out for some comments here. Um, <laughs> but what did what did you see with Rainier? I mean, you said that it's only a mother can love, but it's not true because I yeah when I saw it, true. I appreciated what was happening. I was able to see Rainier now. Yeah. And I saw oh. Candy is his world right now. It's and three year olds, their worlds are very small. They right. they're not thinking about a whole lot, and and they're very in the moment too. Very in the moment. Yeah, extremely in the moment. Which can be as much of an asset as it is a liability. There's times oh, where yeah. I wish I was more in the moment. Right. Um, and I saw that to him, it was there was a li- little bit of a I don't know if it was a game. But there was like a, he was just in this mode where the candy was almost this like mission and point system in his mind. It was like, yeah, I, I saw he was totally competitive, which is fine. Not yeah, that he wanted to it's... beat other people, but in his mind, success was equivalent to getting like really every piece of candy. And yeah. every time he didn't, I, I could tell like he was like really wrestling with disappointment slash failure. Yeah, like if there was candy within his reach and he didn't get one that time, that round, he he was like, man, I lost. I lost <laughs> yeah. big time. And for him to say, I'm really frustrated and disappointed that I failed in his little way yeah. was really fascinating to watch. Yeah, and it's kind of sad to me to think, like, I don't remember my other kids doing that not that they'd never had tantrums but i know some of this could be his personality but 
I think some of it's just actually a three-year-old expressing himself and that that's that we're giving him space to do that and with the other kids we didn't know how to give them space to do that well I don't think we val- or we didn't think they should have I don't yeah, think we valued it they should have the space we right. didn't value our own emotion and acknowledge that there was, and we certainly didn't value and acknowledge that with our children there was other values that were so we higher. said these these types of things like buck up or stop whining or stop complaining or be grateful for what you have which by the way that sounds really nice being grateful for what you have but you actually cannot command someone to emotionally feel anything i mean you can yeah but you'll fail at it right and what happens is whatever those feelings are of disappointment if you say you're not disappointed you're you're fine Mm -hmm. then the kid has to take those feelings that they have Mm-hmm. And they have to try and either cover them up or disregard them because they're being penalized for actually mm-hmm. having them. And then those feelings are going to come out in other ways. So I, I have a feeling this is actually a new concept for a lot of people because it was for us for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Where To understand that emotion, no emotion itself is bad or wrong. Right. It's just a clue for information about how you're processing the world. And I do want... Rainier to mature and to not think that candy is the most important thing ever but that doesn't happen from saying get over it kid it happens Mm -hmm. from saying wow yeah that was disappointing wasn't it Mm -hmm. now let's talk about or model some ways to deal with disappointment you know and this is something that Mr. Rogers was really really good at and he was cutting edge for his time which is to get kids to, first of all, to label emotion and talk about it Mm -hmm. and then say that it's okay and then to show them productive ways to deal with a whole range of emotion. He was the only only voice of that time that I know of that was even saying, like, it's okay for a four-year-old to get angry Mm. because other ones were saying, no, don't get angry, like forgive them or yeah. love them or all these like placating statements. Right. And then, you know, you have a whole generation of people zoned out on TV, shopping and video games because they don't, and they don't even know to this day that they even feel anger. He had a song, I think that I don't forget how it goes, but it had the different emotions he either did like separate ones, like one for anger. Well, it was like, what do you do when you're angry? Do you punch a piece of clay <laughs> yeah. you know, or something like that? Yeah, I thought that was really <clears throat> creative. So, okay, so Rainier is expressing this emotion. And I understand to other people, like, you know, we live in the Midwest. So people are going to look at our parenting now, even our own teenagers, who are more familiar with our beliefs than a lot of people. And they're going to be like, that's a spoiled brat. Those parents need to get a hold of their child and teach him some manners and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Um, They can think that. But evolution in parenting for us, I think, has looked like being able to accept the children wherever they're at instead of trying to change them so that we are more comfortable 
in that moment. Right. Oh, yeah. So the, I mean, kind of the the really plot twist here mm-hmm. is that our teenagers, it's so ironic. They're like telling us, you know, this is so embarrassing. And I just wanted to say to them, and I did, listen, kids, do you have any idea how, like, what you guys are doing as teenagers <laughs> is so much more embarrassing to us than what this three-year-old is doing in a way. I mean, like, the kind of music they listen to, the types of texts they send, the types of shows and media that they're attracted to. In a way, I just want to roll my eyes at what it all. their values are. Yeah, yeah, and be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, is your life a joke? But they can't see. They can't see it. No, they can't see it. Of course they can't. Because yeah. it's no different than a three-year-old. And yeah. it's no different from us when we were in that age. Right. And actually, I'm kind of choosing like not to be embarrassed by it. Because I'm looking mm-hmm. at it as, hey, they're expressing their emotion and their values and their perspective on life. The same as the three-year-old. And really the same as us right mm-hmm. now. Because if you take that embarrassing attitude, you know, oh, our three-year-old is embarrassing. Oh, our 17-year-old is embarrassing then what does that say about us where we're at? Mm-hmm. I mean, I turned 40 this week. When I'm 80, I'm going to look back at when I'm 40 and be like, oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> you know, so you can look at, you can yeah. choose to have this vantage point on life where everyone that, that sees less than you do is embarrassing. Or I think we can try and understand why people are doing what they're doing and try and relate to that and say, oh, it actually makes sense. Like in Rainier's world, why he was upset that he didn't get the candy. And it makes sense why our teenagers are listening to music. And it makes sense that Rainier is running around upstairs right now <laughs> while we're trying to record a podcast. I'll be right back. <laughs> and he's supposed to be in bed. And I don't know why we can't get him to stay in bed at 11.28 p.m. Like on a Saturday night. Oh, you know what I can do, though? Cammy is stepping away. This podcast is going to get good soon. But right now, we have time for a little advertisement sponsor thing. All right. Cammy is still gone. Um, so, yeah, the irony was that our kids were saying that we should be embarrassed because of Rainier and we said well we are actually more if we were going to be embarrassed by anyone it would be you guys and their response was well you should tell us so that we stop doing embarrassing things which sounds all nice and cut and dry right like okay oh I'm sure we're just going to tell them and they're going to listen and they're going to change wrong who does that and In our experience, when people have a condescending perspective on our behavior or actions or our belief system, what do you do? Well, for me, I stop sharing that with that person. You know, if they're like, oh, everything that you believe is so embarrassing, then I ignore those people or I hide my true beliefs from them and I find the people that are really going to value what it is that I 
believe and the way I see the world. And I'm going to start hanging out with them and sharing my that part of myself with them. And this is what teenagers do, right? I mean, they don't, this is why in our culture, parents wonder why teenagers don't share their music with them or their lives or their opinions on boys or the world or politics. But instead, teenagers go to who? They go to other teenagers. And in one sense, that's great. But in one sense, I think it's actually sad. And I think it's totally, um, I don't know what to call it, I guess, like preventable, which not that I'm against teenagers going to other teenagers. But to me, it's sad if teenagers feel like all they can go to is other teenagers and that they can't go to their parents because their beliefs and tastes, etc., are embarrassing. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of work that we've been through um, to get to this point where a lot of beliefs of ours have changed so that when we see our kids, we are not embarrassed, actually. So we're not just having to fake it. Um, but this is the line I want to drop on you guys. Dang it, where the heck is Cammie? I kind of I don't want to say all this stuff twice, and I don't want her to miss out. So let me see if there's anything else I can fill in here. All right, well, I'm just going to drop this bomb on you guys, and then she'll have to... She already knows everything like this anyways. But I wrote this line earlier, and I was like, damn, this is good. Parenting is less about changing kids from being an embarrassment and more about the change we go through so we don't have to be embarrassed or so that we're not able to be embarrassed is maybe another way to put it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again. Parenting is less about changing our kids from being an embarrassment. And more about the change that we go through so that we're not able to be embarrassed. Now, that is a major shift in parenting. And if you've listened to this podcast enough, we, we have all sorts of other ideas around this. Um, the Carpenter versus Gardener one, the one on mistakes, where there's kind of, you know, we've hit this idea from a lot of angles. But if you believe it's your job to change your kid, to mold your kid, to stop your kid from being an ass, from being a spoiled brat, um, and from being embarrassing, then you're going to put all your energy into shaping and molding this child. Now, if you believe that kids are there maybe for a different reason and that parenting is actually a different endeavor one that as parents we're actually supposed to be learning and benefiting from, then all of these examples of behavior that we're not comfortable with or emotions that we're not comfortable with, instead of being a project that we need to set out and fix, these things actually become an opportunity for us to find our own insecurities and to get information. Um, you know, this happens all the time with me and my teenagers. I gave examples where they're listening to this music and I'm like, what the hell are you listening to? Like, you know, this gangster rap that's just like so superfluous to me in terms of its explicitness, you know, and gangster lifestyle. And I just see it as a joke. Um, 
But then there's another part of me that is asking this question about myself. Why do you see that as a joke? You know, what about this don't you understand? What about your teenage daughters in this case, because those are our oldest two, don't you understand about them that you feel like you have to disregard and mock it to get through your day? Because this music, it represents something to them that's valuable to them. It represents possibly like independence or strength or rebellion against society or forming their own belief system. And those things actually are important, but they're uncomfortable for me. So when I hear music that I don't like, that is not fit my preference, it's so much easier to say that's an embarrassment. Why don't you listen to good music like the music I listen to, which is more like Tom Petty or the Beatles or, you know, good stuff. Um, maybe Bob Dylan. But there's a learning opportunity for me there to see like, oh, I've built my castle kind of like on the wrong hill, so to speak. Cami is back. Yep. Gonna fill us in. Poopy diaper. Oh. So he actually had a good reason, but okay. hopefully that's that's the end of it. Well, then then he got up again and it's like I can't feel the fan because Flea is in front of the fan, so I had to deal with that. Okay, I'm gonna read my statement to you. This is my the third time reading it to our podcast okay. audience, but. I wrote it today. I want to hear what you think about it. Okay. Parenting is less about changing kids from being an embarrassment and more about the change that we go through so that we're not able to be embarrassed. Hmm. That's good. I I, I feel like that's exactly what happened. Because especially when you get a brand new kid or at three, like how much change has have I undergone uh how much change have I put on Rainier at that point to make yourself feel better yeah oh that's good I the the thing that really sticks out to me about how I've changed which maybe is a little less important to you but I'm sure it's still important to you Ben is I don't like when you put feelings on me I said maybe I was trying to, okay, maybe not. Um, but something that's really important to me that is social, like not standing out socially. Like I don't want to be that person that is like, oh, there goes your kid running down the street naked. Oh, the police just picked up your kid again. Which True story. Again this week. Um, that's two weeks in a row for us. And I used to just break my back to make sure those things would never happen. And if they did, I would be mortified. And I sadly take a lot of that mortification and embarrassment out on my kids by yelling at them or just being way too strict or just being like, just worrying about every little thing. Well, you're, you're making it sound dramatic, like yelling and being strict, but it wasn't always yelling and strictness. Well, Sometimes it was just in... Yeah, you, you guide them towards change. Well, you you construct your parenting in a way that those things have a 
less likelihood of happening. Yes. Yeah. But my point is, I, I just want people to know this isn't just about losing your temper in some extreme parenting. Most parenting is done for parents to avoid embarrassment. So you send your kids to school. I mean, you have your kids join sports because uh, yeah. you don't want to make your kids look stupid or have your ki- have feel like you're an inadequate parent or you're not giving your child every opportunity. So you're doing these very normal things, but the motivation, you're not actually starting off with who is my child and what are they feeling and processing and what is best for them at this stage. Mm-hmm. You're starting off with, I need a certain feeling as a parent, kind of like unwilling to change or not interested in changing. And how can I make my child change so I stop feeling inadequate or I stop feeling like a lazy parent or I stop feeling like a parent that hasn't taught their kid manners. So we raise the strictness and the methodology and the time and money investment into all these activities Mm -hmm. to feel better. But I think if you go down that route, your kids could be old and you might still not feel that way. You know, I talk to people who, you know, they, they feel like their kids are behind at the age of three because they're not doing enough fucking whatever baby Mozart. But guess what? When their kids are 18, they're still shaming their kids because they feel like their kids are behind and they are not doing their schoolwork enough. And they haven't applied to enough colleges and they're not making anything of themselves or whatever. Yeah. And it's always a societal metric. It's not, it's not starting from a clean slate. Not that any of us do, but I just have to share the story. Um, at this 4th of July parade, I was next to this family that was like, it was painful for me to watch. Maybe it's because I was watching like my past self a little bit, but they were this family with two little kids, mom and dad, and they were, I could just feel the uptightness from radiating from the parents, making sure their two little kids who were like four and to like we're doing what they were supposed to be doing which to them meant make sure you say please and thank you when you get the candy make sure you wave to each person that waves to you and it was just this like i don't know it was really hard for me to watch it i was like can you please let your kids breathe in my head i said that but all, and then next next to them was this other three-year-old that happened to be my kid that was just like throwing temper tantrums God, every nuts. few minutes. So, um, <laughs> I want to focus real quick on how much we've changed because the second part of this quote is we go through the change as parents. That's the goal. Of this whole parenting thing and we go through this dramatic change Mm -hmm. so that we're actually i mean how cool is it to not be at a place in life where anything can embarrass you i mean i just want us to pause for a second and describe what type of person that is they're not and i'm not talking about the type of person that's like oblivious and just like fuck you rapper to the world i'm talking about someone that's so secure in who they are And this is where, you know, I think our spiritual beliefs do need to be brought up here because I believe in God. I, do you? 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, I I wasn't hundred percent sure. Um, most days. <laughs> okay. So we believe in God most of the time, and um, I believe God loves us regardless of how you act on a particular day. And yeah. to me, this is like a biblical belief, which is the background I was raised in. But although I think it is a biblical belief, the people that I were around that taught and read the Bible, they performed and modeled something very different, which is like, yeah, God loves you, but really you better change now and be a more mature, better performing, more polite, nicer, Mm -hmm. more moral, less rock and roll drug type kid or person. Mm -hmm. So, but I just want to say, so therefore everyone around you becomes a threat. Everyone around you that's different Mm -hmm. becomes some sort of threat, especially your kids because they are the ones that really show what kind of fuck ups we really are. If you want to use that lingo, you know, they show the reality in a way you can't hide it. Yeah. They're, they're a reflection of you in some the, ways. The kid wants the candy, you know, and gets his point when he doesn't get it. But yeah. what's our candy, you know? Yeah. I get disappointed over things that mm-hmm. seem as silly if I was to voice them out loud to other people, you know? Right. I only had 127 people like my Instagram post. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted 200. Well, boo fucking who? <laughs> like, you know? And I could diminish that, but I think mm. that represents a true and important feeling, you know, that seems silly to a lot of people in this world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. That, I think we're about getting to the end of this. Um, but the bottom line is, we don't want to just parent our kids out of our own uncomfortability. I don't think our best parenting will come from that. Yeah. And I think I really do see that correlation between how secure I am as a person versus like when I was parenting for the first however many years. I think I had a lot of insecurity. I know I had a lot of insecurities and I was parenting out of those insecurities, which is totally normal. And I don't even think it's like bad or anything, but I'm glad that I'm more secure now than I was at 25 when I was raising my kids. And And that security that I, here he comes again. Sorry, my three-year-old's coming down again. But, and that security, I think is what it has enabled me to, to actually just accept my kid the way they are right here, right now. And their behavior doesn't, like, affect me as much. It's just like, oh, okay. It doesn't shake who I am. And I think it's led to you accepting yourself. Do you want me to go take care of the kid this time? No, I don't want to be left with the microphone. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I don't. That scares me. (laughs) I'm not that secure. Okay, well, I'm going to have you do it this time. I'm going to go deal with the kid because I want you to know what it feels like. But you're better at it. Okay. What am I supposed to talk about? Just keep on talking. Um, tell another parade story or talk about teenagers. 
Oh, no, you didn't. jeez. Oh, Sorry, I'll do it quick. Okay, but the reason why I was going to have you do it is because I felt like then you'd okay. make it quicker this time because you know what it's like for me to just sit here and stare at a microphone, which is kind of hard. Um, okay, while Cammy's gone, I'm going to bring this home with our final point. I have a feeling there's some people out there that are going to say, but what if we're really helping the kid out because if they're embarrassing me, they're going to embarrass other people and they really are a spoiled brat like Augustus Gloop, and if we don't correct or teach or change them, then it actually is um, not in their best interest, and they're going to ruin their life. And I think there is a legitimate case for this to happen at certain times. Um, so as parents, we do need to be discerning about you know, what our parenting behavior, if it really is something that's in the child's best interest or if it's something that's coming out of our own insecurity. And I'm going to give one point and one miniature story. And the point is the best way that I know how to tell if something is being done out of the child's best interest or out of mine is if the activity that I'm doing feels optional or if it feels compulsory. If it feels optional, there's a much higher chance in my perspective that what I'm doing is actually in the kid's best interest. If it's something that I just like have to do or I can't stand, like when Rainier is doing something, I'm like, I, I gotta stop him now. Then to me, that's a sign that I'm doing it actually for myself because I'm uncomfortable. But if I can walk away and have a conversation with Cammy and we're like, hey, you know, I've seen Rainier freak out 10 times in the same scenario. How do you think we should handle this? How do I think we should handle this? Like, let's talk about it and let's come up with a plan. And I'm okay with trying her plan or my plan. Like it's a, it's kind of, there's an open conversation about it. There's a much higher chance that whatever we conclude is gonna be in the child's best interest than if it's something that I feel like I compulsively and impulsively do. And go for it. Oh, well, I- Welcome back, by the way. Thanks. I told Rainier, I said, I was carrying out the stairs, and I said, hey, you getting up is, I'm getting frustrated. And he goes, fine, mama. And he goes, remember when I was frustrated? I said, yeah, yeah, I do remember. He really said that? Yeah. Just now? Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, I'm really hoping that was, like, a human-to-human, -human, like, moment where he could sympathize with me or empathize, and I can never know which is which. And be like, oh, yeah, I hate it when I'm frustrated too. <laughs> I'm not going to frustrate mom again. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I think empathize means that you're in the same boat as the person, whereas sympathize means that you're in a different situation, but you feel bad for them. But you know what it's like to not necessarily be frustrated, but he does. So, so that's empathy. Okay. Empathize. Okay. Okay. The final story I want to tell just as kind of a warning with this last point that I made, because I was at, I was bringing up the point, Cammy, of what do you do in the situation where some people will say, oh, are you throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Does this mean we never guide our children? And they mm. come out with spoiled brats, and now people hate them, yeah. and we actually ruin their life by not providing a certain degree of guidance. Um, and I said, you know, there are situations, of course, and as parents, I think it's good to be aware that both these categories exist. But the warning I have 
is if you guys watch, there's a TED Talk that I think it, it used to be the most popular TED Talk ever. It was Sir Ken Robinson, and he was talking about education. It had like 40 million. It probably has 100, 200 million views is my guess now. And he said this thing where there was this kid who had this problem. He couldn't sit still ever, and he was just kind of a pain in the ass. So they took him into a specialist, and the specialist asked him his questions and observed him, and they thought he had ADD. And the specialist says, he doesn't have ADD. He's a dancer. Hmm. And they stuck this kid in dance lessons, and this kid went on to become the fucking, like, prodigy, ballet, fucking London, who knows what, top mm-hmm. dancer in the world. Mm-hmm. And they almost tried to cure his ass with some sort of drug or discipline. Dang. That's a sobering story. Isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. and that's where... It's I like have how many kids or people have been basically their gifts have just been pushed down because they all need to fit in this mold well because we're uncomfortable with them yeah you know because society or parents we don't want them but we don't say that we say oh no it's better for tommy if tommy's in a classroom sitting still and learning learning or listening to pretending to learn yeah (laughs) I don't want to say learning because that's not what happens. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, this is where, what about the Steve Jobs and the Van Goghs and the, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's? And I hate to just drop the famous people because I don't think it's just the famous people. But what if their parents had said, listen, you need to be more normal, you know, because you being crazy is uncomfortable for me. And, of course, like I said, they don't use that lingo. Like Cammy said, they're... They're much more, you know, we are so sly. Well, we don't even know. Like, I don't think anyone has ill intent. It's just you don't even know what you're doing. It's just you're you're doing it out of fear, I think, a lot of times, out of guilt, out of not wanting wanting to fit in. Most people do want to fit. I mean, that's that's a pretty common human need to fit in. So. All right. What do you think about that topic? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it takes, I mean, it took us so long to get to this point. So for people to be listening to this and, you know, you have little kids and you're just like, yeah, there's no way, like, I could ever let my kid run naked down the street and not, maybe that's a bad example, but... That's a great example. Well, because I'm like, <laughs> maybe I would still be embarrassed about that. But I wouldn't be as embarrassed, I, I should say. Like, it's not like I don't ever get embarrassed. But I, I feel like I'm less reactionary than I used to be. Um, because it's not, the embarrassment's not like the forefront. Um, but this this kind of evolution for us took, I mean, literally 18 years of parenting. So it did, but this is what I want to impress upon people also, because mm-hmm. I think there might be people that are a little bit discouraged, right? And they're like, "Oh crap, I can't I flip to... this switch tomorrow. I'm still embarrassed by my kids." Oh yeah. And I think what you're describing to get to where we are, it did take 18 years, but it started with a mindset shift mm-hmm. of asking this question: What if? The kids are, what if we're supposed to be learning from the kids? And that's the main thing we oh, can change. Oh, yeah, that is a Instead huge... of, 
we're the God's given almighty blessing to our children. Yeah. And we need to impress upon them our acute knowledge and awareness of them in the world. So that mindset, that can shift, I don't want to say overnight, but if there's any suggestion I have for you listeners out there, is that the next time you get frustrated with your kid, instead of jumping to, I need to fix their ass or fix the situation right now, Mm -hmm. and the the solution is outside of yourself. It's either in a situation or it's someone else, to Mm -hmm. ask this question, what if this is a learning opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. What could I learn here? Yeah. If if people just ask that question, mm-hmm. 5% more, that's the biggest thing we have to share in all of parenting. And it's why I have a problem with parenting tips and tricks because it's all the same stuff. It's like how to change other people. It puts so much pressure that I don't think is normal on the parents and that pressure breaks us all the time or where's you where's you yeah it just makes you uh, i don't know that's why just, people hate having kids i think yeah it just makes you like a, i think like a shitty parent really i mean honestly like and that's okay i'm not saying i mean but it's just it's like i just think and i don't know so I was thinking, like, maybe there's pressure now to be a learner, you know. Now I need to, like, look for – but I know I don't feel that pressure <clears throat> when I'm trying to learn for my kids because instead of me trying to teach them – I don't know why, though. Like, I don't feel that pressure I think it's much. an opportunity. I think it's a gift. And, I mean, if you want to get into spiritual beliefs – You get, beliefs, you get you curious. You're like – like all of a sudden you're just more open-minded, you're more curious, you're you can you're more see humble. you're more humble. You you're looking at the situation totally differently than cuz I think if you think that you're that you need to be the teacher, you're you're constantly on. That's like the only thing your brain can handle at that point. Yeah. Like it can't so it, it drowns out all the other the other stuff that you could be seeing in that moment. And this is, you know, we were raised with quote unquote biblical beliefs, but actually we weren't because the types of advice we got about parenting from the church was all prescriptive ways to change children. Yeah. And the one thing the Bible says more about children than anything else, and I I don't even care if you believe in the Bible or not, but I think it's just a fascinating tidbit is that children are a blessing, which means they come to you the opportunity, the situation, the people already are Mm -hmm. good. You don't have to make them good. So that to me, if Christianity is true or the Bible or whatever, that's the most controversial parenting belief. Mm -hmm. I don't even, I don't know any, I've never heard that in church. I've never heard Christians talk about it. It's all like how to parent 110% more moral and how to change kids more effectively sooner. And there are a few verses in the Bible about how to, like, change kids a little bit. But was that, like, curriculum, growing kids God's way? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's, like, the quintessential. Grow your own ass God's way. Um, Okay. But, and I was going (laughs) to, like, okay, now we're, we were going to get out of this, but I keep on saying this is the last point. (laughs) I, I think from our religious perspective, um, 
and I think this has impacted a lot of our society with a kind of a religious country in a way. Um, the concept of original sin, which which is like people are basically bad, like <clears throat> when they were good, but now they're bad. Yeah, and and there's like all this emphasis on like these certain passages and Romans, the New Testament, like the writings of Paul that are like very emphatically taught like kids are like wretched creatures and little sinners and i think that really um compounds this belief that we have as parents like mm-hmm. we need to step it up and change them yeah because what does this little selfish shit have to tell me you know teach me nothing and there's and then you take it further like they're not saved i'm saved so then you know and i don't really want to get into why we don't believe that anymore but i guess i just want to toss out there that that belief i think goes hand in hand with this and in the theological realm it's actually a relatively new belief i think it hasn't been around um uh so it's it's not necessarily even a biblical belief it's more of an Augustinian belief. Okay, too much history. <laughs> Religious history. I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and do this to myself. Okay, that's how many people care about history right now, this late in the podcast. And with that, it is time to go to, oh, wait, we have news and phone. Holy Ooh, It's going to be a bit of a longer episode. What do we do first? I think we do news first. Okay, let's hit this quick. Okay. Um, A Me Too episode from 1969 casts a long shadow for a folk legend. Okay, this speaks, this is close to home for me. A performance by Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary has been canceled from an art festival. So it's just Peter and Paul now? Wait, what? Is this like this This day and age? Or is this... What? This is just Peter we're talking about. Oh, okay. But he's from Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, okay. So he's an older guy. Oh, he's old. Quite old. 81. Oh, very old. Yeah. So okay. from this article, this is from the New York Times, um, published on July 4th. In the era of the Me Too movement, offenses that have been actively hidden away or in some cases faded from memory often after decades have burst forward and ignited fresh outrage. Performances have been canceled. People have been canceled. And this week, Mr. Yarrow, 81, emerged the latest case. Okay, is anyone out there not familiar with Peter, Paul, and Mary? Mm. That'd be terrible. Was I'm at the top of the world looking down on creation. Is that that one? No. Oh, dang it. I always get, I have such a hard time. That's the Carpenters. Getting the. uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Dang it. Is. I'm leaving. Oh, on so, a jet this shit plank. all sounds the same to me. And blowing in the wind, although I'm they didn't, they didn't um, back again. write that, but they're one of those famous. Oh, blowing in the wind. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, man, this is. I'm a little embarrassed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the top of the world. <laughs> um, okay, so what happened? This is really fascinating to me. So he was going to play in this um, performance. This. Um, festival this summer but what's come out is there was two teenage sisters ages 14 and 17 this is in the year 1969 so that's 40 50 years ago that visited his hotel room to get an autograph and homeboy 
answered the door naked. Oh. Then, okay, so get this. So then you're like, well, that's... Wait, this is his hotel room? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it, it doesn't say if anything else happened. Maybe something else did, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But you're still kind of like, okay, that's kind of fucked up. Like, whatever. But then, listen to this. Okay. The dude was charged, Peter, was okay. charged with taking indecent liberties with a minor, pleaded guilty, and was sentenced to three months in jail. Oh, so he, like, totally paid for it already. And then Jimmy the Carter world? pardoned him in 1981. I don't know why, except for maybe maybe he's just like, dude, you're Peter Paul Mary. <laughs> so that's what's so fascinating. It's like the dude's been in jail. Oh. So this is what, um, yeah. who are we talking about again? Peter. Mm-hmm said, I fully support the current movements demanding equal rights for all and refusing to allow continued abuse and injury, most particularly of a sexual nature, which I am with great sorrow guilty. I do not seek to minimize or excuse what I have done and cannot adequately express my apologies and sorrow for the pain and injury I have caused in this regard. So he's like fully owning it. He's like not fighting it. He's being like, you know what? I'm behind me too. This sucked. Um, you know, beat me. But then some other people are saying this is an absurd decision. His contributions to society have far outweighed a 49-year-old indiscretion. And then someone else said Norwich is being robbed of a cultural treasure in our town. That's where the festival is. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if the dude's already paid for his crime, right? how much more does he have to pay? And who's really losing out at this point? Right. Is are we just gonna kick his ass again, 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 and like mm-hmm. be like, dude, we're gonna beat you on the head for this until you can't talk anymore, until you die? Mm-hmm. Or like, if the if the guy's a part of American music history, I like his music, and I fully understand that he had uh, committed a crime and and hurt some people, and I hope he's made that right. Um, I feel like at this point it's just making a statement. It's not like doing. I think a lot of it is making a statement. Yeah, and I get a little. I get a little bit nervous when some of these actions become more about making a statement than they do about actually pertaining to real victims, like and real crimes, and having justice actually be served. Like justice was already served. Yeah, this starts to almost take on a life of its own. And I feel like any time that you go this route where you start to get disconnected from real people, you can almost become an oppressor of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, right now I happen to agree with the Me Too movement and the damage that they're unearthing. But what happens when we don't? You know, and and by the way, we're deviating from justice now, at least by the justice system that we've implemented we've agreed to and implemented in america so now we're saying okay i mean this is all fine and dandy when the culture it's it's on the cultural tide and it's something that we're all woke and sensitive to right now mm-hmm. but what happens when it's not anymore and people are still being canceled and censored essentially mm-hmm. for something that happened 50 years ago that they've already paid for right and it's not for a message we agree with I don't know, man. 
Well, yeah, it's taking a life of its own, which can be good, but then these cases, I, I don't like it. It's not okay. You ready for it? This is we're gonna end on a higher note, though. Okay. This is a fun one. United Airlines put an underage passenger on a plane to the wrong country. Oh no! Oh, they're fucked. Okay, so get this. So this is a 14-year-old that was traveling as an unaccompanied minor. He was supposed to go to Stockholm, but then he ended up in Dusseldorf, Germany, which I'm like, big deal. It sounds like it's the same continent, but it's, it's not as bad as Home Alone. <laughs> but this is where it gets kind of funny. The The mom had to pay extra, I think it was 140 bucks, to register her son as an un- unaccompanied minor Mm-hmm. So that her son would be accompanied by United Airways staff. Mm-hmm. 150 bucks that you have to pay for anyone between the ages of 5 and 14. So Just so this shit doesn't happen. <laughs> and then it happens. So she paid 150 bucks and then her kid Aww. still ends up in Dusseldorf or wherever the hell that is. Stockholm. Stockholm? That's, that's both Germany, it sounds like. Stockholm is... Germany. I don't know if Stockholm is Germany, but that's yeah. Okay, anyway, close enough. Maybe yeah. Coming from the U.S., he fly, flew from the U.S. Yeah, so I mean, we've had to pay this fee for our kids, um, and it's kind of a pain, actually, or relatives at least. Yeah, but you're paying this, and they're like saying, "Oh, we're gonna check your kid and escort your kid." So what happened? Oh, it doesn't say. I think everyone ended up hunky dory. But where I found this, what I found is funny is the mom. It says Brenda, the boy's mother, first tweeted to United just before five thirty p.m. on Sunday, saying her son was placed on a wrong plane during a transfer at Newark Liberty International Airport. So they're saying she tweeted at five thirty p.m. I'm assuming she called before that, or is like, is that how you contact airlines nowadays? Is just by tweeting. <laughs> Maybe it's actually more. Uh, you can get people's attention more. I don't Maybe because it's more public. I don't know. Okay, so that's the news. Now it is time for the phone call. Hi, Ben and Cami. My name is Abby, and my husband and I really enjoy watching. Your vlogs, well, I mostly watch, but he likes the podcast a lot, too. And I wanted to call because we both come from a pretty similar background to you guys. We were both raised pretty religious and having, like, a somewhat negative view of sex, I guess. We were both virgins when we got married to each other. And we got married about three years ago now. And basically, I'm calling because I have really benefited and really enjoyed a lot of the recommendations that especially Cammie has given, like books, like Come As You Are, and the one about purity that you just recently talked about on the podcast. And I am still very much like, I don't want to be in the spot where I view sexuality so negatively, and I logically know that it's not a bad thing or like not a dirty thing, but honestly, it is just so difficult for me to internalize that. And... So I was kind of wondering if you have any recommendations for somebody who is really wanting to, like, change their mind. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really nervous. <laughs> I don't really talk about this out loud a lot. But any just recommendations? I know you guys have touched on therapy being something that's been really helpful to you, maybe something like that. I don't know. I would just be really interested to hear your thoughts. And 
I know my husband's really excited that I'm going to ask this as well. So <laughs> thank you for both of us. Um, we really appreciate what you guys do. Bye. Hmm. Man, can I first of all say I love that Abby called Yeah. about this. Hmm. I could tell she was nervous. She said she was nervous. Yeah. But yeah. you can also tell that this is a real issue. Yeah. I mean, I think about right. our mission statement or whatever the hell it is. I have it written down somewhere. But, like, you know, who we connect with the most, I think, is people that want to change and people that aren't stuck in, you know, protecting some old way of doing things. Yeah. And I sense that she is, like, desperate enough to air out her sex life frustration or difficulty, which a lot of people have. Oh, yeah. And talk to strangers about it and ask for help. Mm -hmm. That gets me excited that people like that are listening to our podcast. Yeah. No, I think it's really cool that you called in, Abby. Um, I can really relate to that being a hard thing to talk about. So for you to call in, I think that's really great. Man, three years into marriage even. That's like... Yeah. That's early. That's, yeah, it is. Dude, we had our head so far up our asses. <laughs> it was embarrassing, although we're not embarrassed about it now. Yeah. Um. Okay, so how would you suggest help? I mean, she mentioned therapy. And yeah. I would say yes, but the one caveat I would add mm -hmm. almost is if you're religious mm -hmm. to find a non-religious therapist. Yeah, because they don't... And I know, Less likelihood of bullshitting you. Yeah, I know all the beliefs aren't going to line up, but there's still so much shame and morality in the counseling and therapy that comes from the religious brand mm -hmm. that I just actually don't think it's worth it when it comes to sec the sexual realm. Yeah, I mean, unless you got lucky, I think we found someone that is um, that does fit our religious beliefs, um, mm -hmm. at least a lot of Somewhat, them. Yeah, and has is able to really help us in the area mm -hmm. of sexuality as well i do want to say that i mean these beliefs that you don't want to hold but you hold um i'm assuming shame and and just stuff that you have around sexuality that you don't want anymore these didn't come overnight like they took years to build and I don't know what else to say except for it's gonna t take a while I think for things to rewire and to just be able to I mean that's my story um I I mean I think it just took a, it took a, a while for me a lot of different steps um but I think you sounds like you have the willingness to change and you don't want to be where you're at right now, uh, five, ten years from now. And the way that these things work, I think, is that that you do change if you want it. That willingness breeds yeah. the change. Yeah. Um, that said, I do. Yeah, there is some tools, I think. I mean, I would try to find anyone you can that you feel safe enough to talk to that you think they have a healthier or more holistic view of sexuality than you. And 
I mean, that can be so hard. That can be so hard. I know, especially when you're in a, when all your community is more religious, which I don't know what yours is, but I, yeah. Okay. So if, I mean, if that person drops from the sky, then go to them. <laughs> there's two other books that you didn't mention um, that we've talked about a little bit. One, a lot on this podcast is that beyond the birds and the bees. Ah, uh, yeah. And that, that might be unintuitive because if I'm assuming you said you were virgin and got married. So if you have kids, it's, they're going to be less than three years old or even two years old. But so that's a sex education book. But what we found when we were reading it is when you think through how you would educate your kids, it's one of the best pictures of what we actually believe about sexuality, our own sexuality. And sometimes it's actually mm-hmm. safer to think about it in terms of sex education for our children Mm-hmm. Because it brings out what we really believe. So if you have problems with that book, that's a great place to start is where, what do you disagree with and why? And just being willing to engage in that dialogue. Or what really challenges you. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a really good suggestion. Um, because I think what that book did for me was it brought up all the lies and the holes that I had growing up with my sexuality and what I was told indirectly or directly. So, yeah. And the second book that just stands out to me hearing you read is this book called Passionate Marriage, which I've read, I think, at least the first two chapters of, uh, which is the case with me in a lot of books. But in that first chapter or two, he tells this story um, about sexual fantasy. And in a religious community coming from a sex negative perspective, I was taught that all sexual fantasies are bad and you should try and get rid of them. You should pretend they don't exist and make them so they don't exist. Now he approaches it as this is just information about who you are. And when you actually listen to that information and communicate with about that information with yourself, first of all, and then your spouse, it actually gives you more potential for intimacy um, by using that type of information. And just that mode of thought, it blew my mind. Because I was like, oh, here is this thing I've spent my entire life combating, and what if I just don't fight it, and I use it? And it's been a game changer, I think, for us and our intimacy levels and our ability to accept ourselves and each other. And it just presented this like perspective, like, what if fantasies aren't bad? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what if... We weren't exactly taught the most helpful thing from religion. Yeah. All right. Second question. Hi, Faith here from L.A. I wondered if you guys could have anyone as a guest on the podcast who is fairly well-known. Who would you want to have on your podcast? Thought that answer would be fun to hear. I don't, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I, I can't think of anyone. You know who I want on the podcast? Who? Is my neighbor, Tim. Oh, I feel like it doesn't fit, at least right now, for us to have anyone that's well known. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, the come down of, to our basement. <laughs> the types of well-known people I'd like to have on my podcast wouldn't want to have the types of conversations I want to have. I would love to have John Piper, Mark Driscoll, oh oh like God. you know, just really <laughs> shit. But yeah. and I would I, be, I would not be here. I would be asking <laughs> the types of questions that they would not want to answer or engage oh. in conversations they're not interested in. That's my feeling. So, so you want to have? I'm like, not there to like stroke their dicks. Okay, so you you would more want to have the type of conversation that's would be like not combative. That's not the right word, but like draw out a side that people don't see, and and that there's two different sides here, not yeah. like oh you agree that oh so so do I. Let's I agree. fully explore yeah. all these yeah. ideas, and instead of just talking about the pros, let's talk about yeah. the cons. Thing. And and that's where I think our podcast. You know, one of the values that we want to bring, I mean, everyone has to ask this question when you do something like that. It's like, why are you recording a podcast? Like, what do you bring to the table that no one else does? Mm -hmm. Well, people are famous for a reason, you know, and stuff is mainstream for a reason. And usually it's all the same stuff. Like, it's encouraging. It's positive. It's like, quote unquote, biblical, at least deemed biblical by whatever the modern interpretation is. Mm. And John, John Piper's stuff is not always encouraging. I don't think it is to those people. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. But my point is, I don't care about adding more of that to the world. And I'm not saying I disagree with all of it, but actually, mm -hmm. there's plenty of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to interview mainstream people. I want to the people that I get excited about and the messages I get excited about are the ones that you can't hear anywhere else. Um, that's why I want to interview yeah. my neighbor Tim. Yeah. Yeah. And you. Oh, yep. Because I haven't seen you on any other podcasts. I don't think people know what they're missing just out wait, on. Just wait. Just <laughs> wait. I did see you perform at Chick-fil-A. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, hidden gem. I yes, mean, I, right. I sure know how to find them. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, okay. Cool. Cammy's pushing the next button. but Okay, guys. That's all the phone calls for today. Um, and we still need more messages. I mean, Faith uh, and I think Kelsey are really kind of bailing you guys out here. We have a few messages, but I, I shouldn't even tell you about them because <laughs> I swear we will cricket your asses so fast. I'm just not afraid to do it anymore. And it won't be nice, and no one will like that. So uh, if you have a question that you would like to see addressed or a comment, if you could call 206-651-5744. That and all the other links are in the show notes, so you can check that out. And as these people have discovered, you can leave more than one at a time, but just leave them on separate messages. So you can call, and you can call right back. So you can ask one question per message, and then call and answer, ask another one, and it's great. We'll try and get to all of them, and we love it, and you love it, and everyone loves it. <laughs> so I, I think we should just like do that. Um, we have been sitting on these hard-ass stools for one hour and 15 minutes. And we are going to try and buy some new, more comfortable ergonomic chairs. And if you would like to contribute to that chair fund, we would greatly appreciate it. This jar on our desk has this much money on it. You can listen. And uh, if you would like to contribute to that, you can do so with um where can you do it there's links in the bottom it's like venmo and paypal boring um 
And what else do I want to say? Oh, we have a Patreon page. We have some patrons that contribute to this show, and we're very thankful for that. And if you contribute to the show, there's a couple of little perks that we toss out there for you. One is a patron-only Q&A that you will have access to once a month. I wish that dog would shut up. And the second thing that you get is access to deciding the content of what we even cover on the vlogs and podcasts. So check that out. That and all the links are below. I don't have anything else to say except for this is a very, very interesting topic to us. And I hope that what we talked about today, you guys would think about and consider and talk about with your co-parents, partners, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, parents, maybe not parents, (laughs) um, whatever. And I would love to hear you guys thoughts both on the YouTube comment, uh, feed because this is available on youtube and it's available everywhere podcasts are or you could leave a voice message about even this very topic itself and how this conversation impacted you all right peace out thank you for listening to fight for together we'll see you next time